First, I want to apologize for the way the sun is and the white shirt and the white beard and the old white hair. So if you can't see me, I, do I, I probably look like a snow monkey. Do I look like... It's fine. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Lieutenant uh, General Caslin, General Franks. It's an honor to be here. Distinguished guests, families, and friends, welcome to the Warrior Games! That's John Stewart. Yes, the John Stewart, the former host of The Daily Show, during the 2016 Warrior Games opening ceremony. Welcome to SC Featured. I'm Jen Latta. The Warrior Games started in 2010 as a way to help ill and injured service members and veterans. Teams are composed from all branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, active duty service members, and veterans with upper body, lower body, and spinal cord injuries, as well as traumatic brain injuries, visual impairment, serious illness, and post-traumatic stress. They compete in a variety of sports, including archery, cycling, sitting volleyball, shooting, swimming, wheelchair basketball, and track and field. John Stewart was the MC of last year's ceremonies and will have the same honor at the Games this year in Chicago. His advocacy for military veterans dates back more than 15 years. I think, you know, probably, you know, it's a post 9-11 and uh, in, in coming out sort of as someone who was had a bit of opposition to, uh, you know, the Iraq war and being on television, I felt a responsibility to kind of educate myself to the situation so that I didn't sound like as much of an idiot as I might normally sound. Um, and just from from meeting people I met at Walter Reed and spending time and being incredibly impressed with the caliber of individual that was, was in the armed forces. I just, I was not familiar with it because in general, a very small percentage of Americans bear the total burden of our, of our wars. It's the, the military and their families and that's it. And the rest of us get to ignore it and, and, and go on with our lives. So I think it, it began there and, and, and developed. And I think, it's especially unjust when people who have given us so much have to fight for things that they've already earned. And that's, I, I think, why it, it, it gets to your core as it does. Last summer, John took his son to the U.S. Military Academy in West Point to witness the bravery and courage of the veterans competing in the games. You know, he's been through quite a bit in his young life in terms of pain and, and, and medical things. and. Um, I think that resilience was a really important lesson and to see that you're not defined by the worst thing that's happened to you, that you can push through that and, um, and you can achieve great things. And on the way home, uh, I was saying to my son, I said, you know, this is ESPN should be out here, man. This is, this is athletic competition at its finest. This is a story they should be telling. And, uh, he was sitting in the back seat and he goes, why don't you call them? I have to be honest with you, I didn't come up here to support these athletes. I came up here to get support from them. And that's always been uh, the relationship that I have found whenever I've been in the company of or had the honor to be in company of uh, any of our men and women of the armed services or, or wounded warriors is that the support that I get from them so far outstrips anything that I can offer that it's 
It's humbling. And so when I say I'm in need of support, there is almost nothing in this world that gives me more support than witnessing the tenacity and the resilience and the perseverance of especially our wounded warriors in, in their endeavors. They're the ones that make me feel like, oh, right, we're, we're going to be okay. And I am sorry that, that so few of you bear the total onus of our nation's wars. I wish our citizenry were more involved. I wish that there was a, a greater knowledge. Man, this should be on ESPN. This is where the cameras should be. This is where the country should be, to witness the, the best of us. So John did call ESPN. Later that week, a production crew was at West Point, capturing athletic performances you'd never imagine possible. Like Army veteran Staff Sergeant Matthew Lammers, who had both legs and his left arm amputated. That didn't keep him from the swimming competition. And former Tech Sergeant Freddie Rosario, who is visually impaired, has a traumatic brain injury and PTSD, yet still racked up 10 medals. After the 2016 Warrior Games, ESPN reporter Chris Connolly sat down with John in his New Jersey home to talk about his own experience with veterans and wounded soldiers. They talked about John's visits to the Walter Reed Army Medical Center and Bethesda Naval Hospital. What was that experience like? It was enlightening. Uh, it was moving. It was uplifting if you can somehow find a way to uh, think that talking to young men and women who just had their lives irrevocably altered uh, can be because their ability to be resilient and tenacious, even, even within the early hours of it, to be gracious with you in recounting their stories, um, to thank you, for visiting like that was you'd, you'd be in a room and guys so we're you know standing and the IED went off and I, I lose my leg and so I grab my tourniquet and and I'm like you're awake he's like yeah so I check on my guys and you're like you're checking on your guys <laughs> like the, the the instincts that they have I don't know if it's training God given whatever it's from as they're recounting their stories their loyalty and their support for their comrades, for the people that they are there to help uh, protect, is astonishing. And so you're get you're feeding off of their uh, strength, and they thank you. And that's 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 the mind blower. That's where you go. Oh, you're a different type of individual who uh, believes in service, believes in uh, loyalty, believes in contributing something. Um, oddly enough, it made me angrier about our situations in uh, overseas because when you realize their level of commitment to each other and to the country, when you realize what they had been put through, when you realize it's in some ways, the cavalier nature that we treat that human capital, that makes you crazier. It makes you angrier. And, and I mean, long story short, um, 
I'm so impressed by the quality of individual that I met that it makes me upset that the rest of the country is allowed to wear blinders when it comes to our war effort. That for 15 years, members of the military and their families have borne this burden almost entirely. And we were told to keep shopping. And shop we did. And so now here we are, 15 years later, continuing effort. They continue to deal with the after effects of their not just sacrifice, but contribution. And it's important that we not let that happen in silence. One of the things that emerges in your conversations with them is that they don't feel their level of commitment or contribution has changed. In fact, they wish to continue to contribute. No question. They are undeterred, which, by the way, is not not to be Pollyannish, like Dark Knight of the Soul. All these guys go through it. They all talk about the difficulties of reintegrating, the difficulties that they face with their new physical challenges, the darkness that can sometimes consume them, the, uh, the help of loved ones and caregivers that are there for them and help bring them out of that darkness. You know, they're not immune you know, they're not superheroes. They're not the X-Men. They are us, just slightly better versions of us. And it's important that we be cognizant of that because they do need support. But on the flip side of it, you know, it's easy to talk about their sacrifice. What we forget sometimes is just how much they contribute and how much they still have to contribute. It's not about, oh, those poor men and women, we should go help them. It's This is an incredibly uh, rich asset that this country needs to tap into and and tap into by getting involved. When you address the Warrior Games Mm -hmm. and the athletes and their families, you said that um, you said that you felt support. Yeah. When you were in their company. Absolutely. What did you mean by that? Because you feel the support because. The news has a tendency to uh, mostly illuminate the worst of things. But what it doesn't provide you after that, it provides you this sensationalistic headline. But what it doesn't provide you is the depth and foundation of the structure of this country that's built to withstand this type of uh, extreme event. So sometimes you focus on, we have a tendency to focus on the killer, the shooter, the 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 aberrations, but the strength of these individuals, which is far broader and deeper than we're given credit for, we don't ever, we don't know their names, but those are the names that we should know because those names give you strength. Those are the names we go, oh, right. We wildly outnumber them. And no matter what they, what, what the forces of evil or hatred or whatever it is can throw at us, There is a depth of reserve, and that's why it's so important for the country to care for that resource because of its, it's, it's a a font of strength and resilience and tenacity that does not go away no matter what happens. I think if you talk to those individuals, almost to a man or a woman, they would, knowing what happened to them, would, would not change anything, would go back, would go back and still enter the fight in the way that they did. Uh, it, it's, it's a remarkable 
Um, it's it's hard to describe. They have adamantium skeletons. It's 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 amazing. And so when I say I get strength from it, it reminds me of just how difficult it is to break this. Just how uh, widespread the strength and just how deep it is. You talked about bringing your son to the Warrior Games. Yeah. What did you want him to see by being there? Um, so I brought Nate to a few of these and, and he's come with me to do, you know, we do the, the freedom team, the Achilles heel freedom team, another great bunch of guys and another wounded warrior organization. Um, because you hear, everybody talks about how are you going to talk to your kids about violence? How are you going to talk to your kids about these terrible events? You're like, I, so I don't know. How do you talk to your kids about those terrible, a crazy person goes in with a, you know, an AR-15 and mows down 49 people. How do you talk about that to a 10-year-old, to an 11-year-old, to a 30-year-old, to a 53-year-old? What, what do you say? Some people are broken, filled with hate, mentally ill, have access to incredibly powerful weaponry, mow down buildings like, okay, anyway, I want to go get some ice. You know, what do you say? So in the absence of being able to say something, I think it was important to bring him to see something. And what he sees is individuals that have faced the worst that, that the world can throw at them. And they, they didn't allow themselves to be defined by that, but to be defined by their response to it. And their response to it was to not give up, to continue to fight to actualize themselves, to be the best that they could be, to continue to, to not allow that event to change the course of their, of their dreams. To, continue, to change their dream, to make it something different, to go in another direction. And hopefully what it says to my son and to me and to my daughter and to my wife and to everybody else is we need to stop defining ourselves by fear of the worst of the world and define ourselves by our resolve in not allowing those small actions to define us as people, as a country. Um, everywhere you turn in these events, there are minor miracles occurring all around it. People that selflessly run in to protect people that, you know, a, a, a coalescing of emotion and love and strength. And we can't take that for granted. Coming up, we'll hear the story about a friendship between two veterans and how a Vietnam soldier helped save the life of Christy Gardner, who will be participating in the 2017 Warrior Games. You were a 24-year-old, healthy, active individual, and now you can't do anything. I credit Neil with a great deal of my recovery. I can't imagine where I would be without him. I don't know that I would have ever gotten into adaptive sports. I might still be that mopey person or I might not even be here. More in a moment, but first, if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode.
Welcome back to SC Featured. One athlete who's competing for Team Army in the 2017 Warrior Games is 35-year-old Christy Gardner. Her story is about compassion and connection and mission and about two souls bound through service. I was so restricted in what I was allowed to do. I was so lonely. I was so depressed. And now I have this cute, furry, irresistible thing that, like, nudges you and says, hey, all right, let's get back in life. And that's her. Before Christy was a soldier, she was an athlete, with sports playing a huge role in her childhood. Christy received a scholarship at CW Post College in Long Island, a Division II school. She walked onto the lacrosse team and also played field hockey. Then weeks after graduating in 2005, Christy found a different team, the U.S. Army. She had always considered a military career since her grandfather and uncles were Marines. The career path in the military for me was a responsible choice, but also something that I would, would thrive at. I like being outside. I like being active. I like working hard. Basically, women weren't in combat then, or women couldn't have combat job titles. So they were like, oh, you can be an admin in finance. And I actually stayed at the recruiters for like four hours arguing with them that I wanted a better job. But I wanted something that would be more physically demanding and more fulfilling for me. Sitting in office just doesn't do it for me. Being out there and helping people and being on the front lines is where I wanted to be. While serving as a military police officer in the summer of 2006 in the demilitarized zone in Korea, Christy suffered a traumatic injury, fracturing her skull, puncturing her spinal cord, and leaving her without feeling in both legs below the knees. I broke a few bones. Um, I got knocked unconscious and kind of face-planted and broke my jaw and stuff too. And then in the medevac process, there was a small problem that damaged my spinal cord. I had a skull fracture in the frontal bone and the temporal. And when I hit the ground, I pushed my jaw up through the base of my skull on this side. So I damaged um, the front and side of my brain and also some of the speech area in the lower on the bottom portion of your brain. After her incident, Christy stayed in Korea for about six months while doctors treated her injuries. When she returned to the United States, she underwent more treatment and years of rehab and speech therapy. So frustrating. Besides the fact that I'm used to being mobile every day, moving around, exercising, or even stupid things like weeding and chores. It's something moving. So for them to be like, no, you're on these motion sensors for seizures, because I had seizures. Um, I know I freaked out the nurses one day because I was doing like crunches in the bed. And they're like, they all come running and they're like, oh my God, are you okay? Because I was setting off the monitors. And uh, that's when they were like, you're really not allowed to move. And I'm like, how can you not move? Like, short of being in a coma, even a person that's homesick for two or three days, by the end you get antsy. Rehab that way was horrible, because I just don't sit still. It was difficult for Christy's brother, Jake, to watch his sister struggle. She went from all-star athlete, you know, playing on the Army softball team, stuff like that, to she couldn't, she had to wear a helmet 24 hours a day. So the, the stress of, of watching her deal with that, but again, the, the strength of she dealt with that. It, it certainly humbles me an awful lot. All these things that a normal person could do, and they're like, you'll never ride a bike, you'll never bathe alone, you'll never live independently, you know, walking would be a challenge, and all this sort of stuff. 
And at that point, it was like, holy crap, yeah, you aren't going to walk. You're going to struggle talking. You're going to struggle with all of these normal things. And for me, that was extremely deflating. Christy has endured 22 surgeries since the incident in Korea. The effects of the already devastating injury left her having seizures four to five times a month. She couldn't be left alone because she might get injured during one of them. To go through so much stuff and have them have it just be that, you know, this is the new status quo. You were a 24-year-old, healthy, active individual, and now you can't do anything. I was definitely depressed. I was definitely bottom of the barrel. Three years after her incident, a turning point. Christy got a golden retriever, a service dog named Moxie. For the past eight years, the two have lived together as more than soldier and service dog. Specially trained to detect oncoming seizures, Moxie is Christy's protector, as much as she is her friend. She'll actually come up and let me know. She'll grab a hold of my wrists and kind of give me a little tug like, hey, you know, this is serious time to pay attention. And then I'll lay down on the floor. She'll put her front paws on me and she'll stay that way until she says it's safe to get up. She's trained to check for consciousness afterwards. So she can kind of like nudge my chin with her, her face and lick me. And if I don't respond, then she'll actually kind of paw at me. And if I still don't respond to the, the pain stimulus of her claws, then she's actually trained to get help. Um, so at that point, she can call 911 on the house phone and she can open and close the door and go get the neighbors. She knows how to ring their doorbells. Moxie provides Christy with peace of mind and safety and friendship. She also gives Christy the confidence to be independent, and Christy says there is no comparison between life before Moxie and after her. There was nothing before. I was so restricted in what I was allowed to do. I was so lonely. I was so depressed. And now I have this cute, furry, irresistible thing that, like, nudges you and says, hey, all right, it's time to get up in the morning. Let's go play ball. Let's go for a walk. You know, let's be active and healthy. Let's get back in life. And that's her. Moxie's been a lifesaver. There, there, there is no question about it. Without Moxie, I don't think my sister would still be around, honestly. Um, so to have Moxie come in and be her, her buddy, it was, I, I, I owe the fact that I still have my sister to Moxie. The second turning point came when Christy met Neil Williams, a Vietnam veteran who suffered a spinal cord injury in combat. He approached Christy at a veteran's hospital when she was sitting in the hallway, crying. You know, here's this bigger guy, old guy in a wheelchair that rolls up and reaches out a hand and just talks to me. Just said, you know, these are things out there that you can do still. This was a young soldier sitting in one of the rows of chairs, sobbing quietly, tears dripping off her chin. And her dog trying to comfort her. I had a, a Rottweiler service dog who was pulling me along and he stopped and looked over. He, he responded to people that had things going on. And I asked her, is it okay if my dog visits your dog? And while the two dogs were getting to know each other, I started asking her questions. He wanted me to go to these sporting events and I had been recently injured and they told me I'd never do any of that stuff again. So why in the hell would I wanna go watch someone else that can do it? It was like a big slap in the face. I essentially told her that there's life after injury. 
that the doctors were full of shit. Uh, that, yeah, you aren't going to be able to do all of the things that you did before, but you're going to do most of them, and some of them you're going to do better, but you have to adapt. Oh, he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> no, he was a nice guy, but at the time I was still shy and, and withdrawn and, you know, like living in my own little shell and trying to deal with everything. And here's this guy that's like poking and prodding and bothering me. And I was like, you know, just take a hike. She was a soldier in trouble. That's it. That's what we do. And one soldier helps another soldier. And that was a life-changing moment for both of us, really. Neil invited Christy to Fun in the Sun, where veterans participated in water sports. It was Neil's insistence and encouragement that got Christy active again. It's supposed to be a fun day at the beach. Um, I could hardly walk, so it wasn't, it wasn't something I thought that I could do. And then they had all these water sports, like, hello, sports. I can't do any of that. And so finally I gave in to shut him up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, if that's what worked, uh, I was prepared to keep pushing her. It turns out there was all these other disabled veterans there that could still do everything. So even though the VA had told me, you'll never do any of these things again, and then I had Neil, who believed in me and who believed in what I could do, and he introduced me to all these other veterans that, say, had no hands or were permanently in a wheelchair or other major problems, and they could water ski and they could do all this stuff. And I was like, if they can do it, I could do it. So Neil gave me the little push and a shove to give it a try. It was 2011 that Christy first tried sled hockey, and her competitiveness found a home on the ice. It was fun. It was get out there with a team of people again. And for me, that was huge, like to have that bonding and... Um, the camaraderie, like being in a military unit or being on the college team, I was part of a team again. So for me, I really feed off of that. Christy started playing for the United States sled hockey team, eventually being named one of its co-captains. In 2013, she was selected as USA Hockey's Disabled Athlete of the Year. Being able to, to wear the USA jersey is major. I mean, it, it's an opportunity to represent my country again in the same way I did before. To be a part of that unit and bring pride to myself and to our nation has been extremely important for me and very rewarding. Neil is the reason that Chrissy's not depressed and sitting on her couch and eating away her feelings. Without Neil and, and the initial kick, who knows where, what she'd be doing right now. I credit Neil with a great deal of my recovery. I can't imagine where I would be without him. I don't know that I would have ever gotten into adaptive sports. I might still be that mopey person or I might not even be here. You know, for him to push me back into life, I can't thank him enough ever. Christy will compete in the 2017 Warrior Games for Army in track and field and sitting volleyball. I was just kind of in awe of it because a lot of the athletes have to try out and get accepted to that and they kind of recruited me to do it. I think she'll be disappointed in herself if she doesn't do well. I know for a fact that if she doesn't at least beat most of the guys at stuff, 
she'll be disappointed in herself. But I think she'll beat him anyway. It's what she does. They said, you know, there aren't a lot of female double amputees. We really want you to come participate. Will you please consider this? Because we want you to motivate the rest of the folks to get out there and get active again. And for me, that was the deciding factor. When people ask, you know, how does your sister do it? Your sister's such an inspiration. Like, oh, she's my sister. It's just what she does. For the opportunity, again, to pay it back, like Neil said, to get more folks believing in themselves and part of society and active was a huge opportunity for me. I see Christy as a soldier, a damn fine soldier, uh, one I would have been proud to have served with. I'll always be grateful for the opportunity that I had to meet her that day because life would have been a lot different for her and different for me as well. She'll always have a special place in my heart. Thank you to Christy Gardner for sharing her story and John Stewart and Chris Connolly for being a part of ours. To subscribe to the SC Featured Podcast, go to the Listen tab of the ESPN app or download it on Apple Podcasts. This episode of SC Featured was produced by Christine Newby and edited by AJ Irish. Gustavo Coletti is the senior managing producer. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Jen Latta.